This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Let's go to Genesis chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Then the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And uh, what is interesting about that is a lot of people want to say on Mount Ararat. That area is an interest, real interesting area. It's in Turkey. It's actually a forbidden area. The last major expedition that was taken to that area was actually taken, was sent by the Romanov czars of Russia in the early part of the last century. And when I say a major expedition, I'm talking about a major group of people going up, doing research and trying to find that. That expedition was cut short by the Red Revolution of, I think it was 1914, but I might be a little bit off with that date. And they were called home before they could do that. Uh, the expedition, you'd say, well, don't you just climb up the mountain, see if you see it, and then come back home? No, because that's not really a good understanding of that area. The area that the Ark was is left at is a volcanic area. It's actually, Ararat is a volcanic area. It's not a not just a pure mountain like Mount Everest or a Mount, McKin- Mount McKinley is a, actually a, a volcano also. It's one of those situations where a volcano or lava from the ground has come up in many spots. There is a peak, there is a giant peak there, but there are many mountains, many areas where volcanic lava has come up. And that area has been very best, has been seismic and volcanic for a long time, been seismic and volcanic, apparently even back to Noah. And it does not look anything like it did back then. And strong likelihood is that anything there would have burned up or been covered by some kind of landslide. There are multiple reports over many years of people who claim to have seen the ark. And uh, I'm not saying that they're they're true or untrue. I I don't know because I wasn't there. But there are multiple reports of ark sightings or areas that they believe that the ark could have been at or that the ark is at. There is a belief that in all actuality, that expedition sent by the heirs of Russia before the Red Revolution actually found the ark also, and that they brought home some artifacts from that. That's not really well known or known for sure to us, but the but the area that encompassed that is, is such a huge area. It's not just one mountain. It's such a huge area that it require a lot of work, a lot of detailed work, and a lot of work that, that would require searching through areas that are not really accessible, easily accessible, and would require hundreds, if not thousands of people to do that. And the problem with that is, as you say, the problem with that is, is that the Turkey, Turkish government will not allow that. In fact, that area is, that area is forbidden for tourists to go. Just recently, there was some talk of Turkey actually allowing some people to do some searching and things like that, but that's not been totally allowed. But interestingly, also enough, 
is a lot of the towns and cities around there take their name, ancient names that tend to uh, that tend to indicate that the belief that the ark, that Noah's ark is on top of that mountain or in that mountainous area is true. And uh, when I say ancient names, I'm talking about names of towns and little villages and things like that have been there for thousands of years. And you go, how some some be there for thousands of years? Because in that area of the world, there are things that have been there for thousands of years. And uh, we just don't know about it. In our area, there's a plain on the south side of Tallahassee, Alabama. And Tallahassee is named after actually an Indian tribe, an Indian chief. And that area along the riverbank, which is real flat, that Auburn University is using for research, horticultural research, that area was a giant city, a giant village of natives that lived here, Creek Indians. And that area was back 300 years ago, a huge village, but now nobody would even know that ever existed. Well, over there in that part of the world, there are many places that have existed for long periods of time, greater than we can imagine because we're such a young and new country. We know that, we know that, uh, uh, that area of the world is controlled by a Muslim government and a growing, radic- growing more radical Muslim government, uh, Turkey is. And even though they're still part of NATO, that may not be the case in the next 20 or 50 years as we move forward in history. And I, the whole point is, what I'm saying is there's good reason to believe that the Ark is still there. And there's good reason to believe that the Ark may not never be found, both at the same time. And that's not the issue. The issue is that God said that it came to rest in the mountains of Ararat and that the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. Notice it takes a while for that water to freeze up into the polar ice caps. And it takes a while. It washes off what it can, but eventually it, it is a slow decrease. It's a slow to the tides of the flood. And it takes a good long while for that to, to pull off of the earth and for the earth to become what it is today, generally speaking, about two-thirds water, two-thirds ocean, it takes a while for it to become that. And after three months, on the first day of the month, the top of the mountains were seen. They, he could see that there were land that was visible in different areas as Noah and his family are still on that ark looking for a place to land. And so, it's a, and so eventually, the ark comes to rest in those mountains of Ararat in those in that area in that mountainous region of Turkey and so it says in verse six so it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he, which he had made and remember that's an opening uh, not for the purpose of navigation it's an opening for the purpose of being able to see what's going on after the flood has taken place it's actually a, a window of hope. And the reason it's a window of hope is because there's an expectation that at the end of this judgment, at the end of this time period where uh, God is judging uh, the world, while that's going on at that time period, there is a there there is an expectation that all the animals and all the humans that are on that boat are eventually going to get out and going to serve their purpose. And their purpose is, is to repopulate the planet. And as it comes to pass, as it comes to pass at the end of 40 days, that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. And then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. So she Noah sends out a raven and actually a bird of, of lesser value, a very intelligent bird. But that bird was not going to leave the safety of that ark until that bird knew that there was an area uh, that he could or she could live and uh, survive without needing to come back to the ark. It says, 
Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. And he also sent out from himself a dove. And uh, every time you see the word dove, you always think of peace. And uh, actually, that's a pretty universal symbol of peace. It's always been a symbol of peace in Scripture. It's a symbol of, of God's bringing about, ultimately, peace and harmony. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And doves are have been used as, long, as well as pigeons to send messages. Actually, ravens have been used also to send messages. These are uh, all these birds that are mentioned right here in this passage are have all been used historically to send messages to and fro quickly from locations in different parts of the world. And that is a very neat way to make sure you can talk to people in different parts of the world or send ir- urgent messages within kingdoms quickly and do it in the air. Also, I've always said, told you before, birds represent spiritual powers, angels, generally speaking, or demons. And these, all three of these birds that are sent out are messenger birds, all of them. And remember the word angelos means, um, angelos means a messenger. Matt just asked, is the olive branch a sign of peace? It actually is a sign of peace, but it's more linked to the Holy Spirit because of the oil that comes from olive oil. It's more the peace that comes from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The dove would be more of a symbol of peace and power that comes from Jesus himself. So it says, then he sent out the raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up and receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned to the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And that's a picture of, of receiving the peace of God in the midst of in the midst of storm and judgment. And he understood that eventually God would eventually bring about his full purpose and his full meaning in that judgment that has taken place to destroy all humanity. He says, and he waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent out the dove from, from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. And behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had received from the earth, and obviously that vegetation was beginning to grow again. Notice God didn't have to save the vegetation because seeds seeds can make it through water. They can survive in water, and in all actuality, there's something very neat about seeds in water. One of the things that's very neat about that is is that as you as you see the seeds in water, those are carried by birds and also eggs from fish. And so anytime you have a new a new area of, of water that's made or a new area that has been burnt out maybe by a fire, the birds, generally speaking, are the animals that bring about the repopulation of an area of a water, maybe a pond or a lake. And they also are the ones that help repopulate uh, vegetation in an area that's been burning, they are the ones that carry the seeds of God's plan. And the dove came back. So you have the symbol of the peace of Jesus and the peace of the Holy Spirit coming back to the ark. And then the dove came in the evening and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth and no one knew that the water had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove which did not return again to him anymore. And that's a picture of the peace of God going out to the whole world. Starting with Noah, God's peace and his decision never to bring about judgment on the earth is going out to the whole world. And it came to pass that that in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, 
that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the earth was dried. That is a long period of time to be on the ark. He was on the ark for the better part of a year. And uh, he spent that time riding out the judgment of God in safety. Remember, the ark is a picture of the ark is a picture of God's for His people, and so He spent that ark that time period in salvation and safety from God. When you first to Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him, there's a lot of safety and there's a lot of peace and there's a lot of hope. But after that, you've got to go out of the ark. You've got to get out of the boat and walk on the water. You've got to deal with the things of life. And you got to deal with it in the kingdom power that God's given you. And so Moses, Noah, is not going to spend the rest of his life camped out in that ark. He's going to get out of the ark, and he's going to go and begin to do the things God has called him to do. And salvation changes us, but salvation changes us for the purpose of bringing about hope and peace to the world we live in. And Noah is, and his whole story is a picture of that hope and peace. And it says, then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and creeping things that creep on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. He says, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to the families of when, who went out of the ark. So they leave the ark, and it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Notice there's some worship here that's going on. In fact, to tell you the truth, I probably need to spend a, a good amount of time on the next three verses in this passage, because they speak to Noah's faith and Noah showing us his worship and how God had led him to understand who he is, and his salvation and his goodness and ultimately his purposes for Noah. God has great purpose for all of this, and God brought about all of this. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Christians believe, I'll use the word Christian, a lot of Christians believe that these are just allegories. They're just made-up stories in order to teach us the truths. But the Bible is quite clear when there is an allegory or parable being told to us and whether or not it's telling us something that really happened and is actually true. And what I would say to you today is that, uh, avoid the temptation of those who would try to tell you that God's word in some way is not true. God's word is true. And uh, what God has to say is the truth and let everyone else be a liar. That's just the way it is. And when God speaks and when God teaches and when God shows, what he does is permanent. What man does melts its away. It washes away like the sands of the seashore. It melts away like the snow of the winter. And it recedes away like the floods of Noah's day. The world has its purposes and its reasons. And the godly and those who are lost in the powers of darkness do not want to receive the truth because the truth ultimately is the Son of God, is Jesus Christ. And so what I would say to you today is that you can take comfort that God has given you his story of the world. He's told you what's going on. And the Bible is true from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21. And all that God has to say in his word is complete and true. And, and he will tell you when he's given you an allegory or a parable. He'll say, the kingdom is like this. Or he will tell you, a. he will let you know right before he tells you, 
what the story is and why the story is what it is. And so I would say to you this morning uh, that I draw great comfort that God has salvation. If he had such a great salvation for Noah and he loves me just as much as he loved Noah and he loves me just as much as he loves humanity and he loves you also, then he has great salvation for you also. And you ought to walk in that today. You ought to be blessed by that today. And you ought to expect that to be a part of your day. And I'm going to expect it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.